So, uh, Riley. Uh, Clark. Uh, five weeks sober? Yeah, it sucks. Uh, does that count like cooking wine? Uh, <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> I've, I've only used vinegar. Huh. I mean, like, I know you and I were very, very far from alcoholics, but at the same time, like, coming home and just drinking a oh, beer man. or, like, cooking and drinking wine. Yeah. It's a nice thing. So It is It is a nice thing. Um, I So my fantasy hockey draft is this Saturday, um, mm. and I'm treating that as my, as my welcome back party to booze. Oh, cool. So, That'll be fun. What's, yeah. what's the first thing you're going to drink? Uh, that Elysian pumpkin beer that I was talking about last time. Ah, you found it. It's on shelves, huh? It is. And I feel terrible for subscribing to the whole pumpkin thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But God damn it. It's like, it's a seasonal thing. Yeah, it's a seasonal thing, and you're celebrating. Mm-hmm. And it's not like you're getting tanked off pumpkin beer, mm-hmm. you know? You're, you're well, just gonna... I might because I haven't had a drink in six weeks <laughs> at that point. Uh, this is true. This is yeah. true. Well, for those listening who have no idea what we're talking about, this is Into the Echo, a podcast where Riley and I usually have drinks and talk about the hey, songs I and still, albums. Hey, I still have those. a drink. Oh, okay. What do you, what do you mm-hmm. have? I have chamomile tea. Ah, yes. herbal. Very yes. nice. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's okay. We're, we're not just all about booze here. We, yeah, we like true. just drinking any kind of beverage. It doesn't yeah. matter. But it helps <sighs> if it's boozy. It helps if it's boozy, but uh-huh. definitely not necessary. Are you are you drinking another shandy? You know, we're talking about a, a New Jersey band this uh, week. True. Uh huh. <laughs> so I I googled. I don't know why I'm a dumbass, but I, I googled <laughs> New Jersey beer, <laughs> and I'm like, maybe I can get something that's from New Jersey. <laughs> and then I remembered I've been to New Jersey, and there is nothing for beer. <laughs> like they oh. drink super cans. You know it. it it's like Coors Light, Bud Light over there. So uh, I went with just a just a seasonal beer. It's the Harvest Moon Company out of Belt, Montana. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm going with the Charlie Russell Red. Oh, Ale. nice. Yeah, it's really nice, really smooth. Fits the weather well. Yeah. So while we're uh, we're kind of talking about seasonal seasonal drinks here, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we're gonna we're gonna take a seasonal approach to the next episode of uh, Into the Echo. Uh, we're going to be looking at songs, songs of the season. Well, no, it's not going to be called songs of the season. We haven't decided on a name yet. Uh, yeah, we're still working on that. Tweet us, please. Yeah, we need ideas. Um, we'll pay you handsomely 50 cents. Um, uh-huh, uh-huh. but, uh, we're going to be looking at songs that are good for fall songs that are good for, uh, for changing seasons. Um, which I think is, it's almost a genre all its own, really. Oh yeah, I have I I can definitely book out the whole episode right now. Yeah, so. yeah, I know. I'm I'm coming <laughs> up with I'm coming up with things in my head right as we speak. Um, but we'd also love to hear yours. Uh, tweet us at EchoPod or find mm-hmm. us on Facebook. Funny enough, um, did you see that uh, we got photo credit for some photo for a coffee shop? what yeah um somebody was like some coffee shop took a picture of an ad and said photo credit at echo pod (laughs) i was like what the hell (laughs) apparently we do photography for for cafes famous on twitter (laughs) about time (laughs) so Um, anyway yeah we've we've got a second job and i didn't even know it that's so funny 
Uh, so yeah, tweet us your song suggestions if you'd like. You know, give us an anecdote with the song. Like, you don't just have to give us song names and stuff. You can tell us why or what it means to you. Um, we probably will read it out loud on air. So if you if you don't want us to say anything, then just make sure to mention that. Uh, so yeah, send us those suggestions. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I know Clark and I have really great taste in music, but. <laughs> We could use a little outside influence every now and then. Um, yeah, and you guys uh, did so well for us last time we asked that um, <laughs> even though you're weird, filthy animals, but still. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we uncovered some things we didn't mean to. We did. <clears throat> so, yep, we look forward to seeing what you have in mind for the changing of the seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly summer into fall into winter. Yeah. None of that spring and bullshit. We're not ready for that. No, 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 no. If, you, if you guys submit one single happy song, I am going to immediately discount it. Uh-huh, so, uh-huh, exactly. Um, this is a season for depression yep, and yep. angst. And, and melancholy. Yeah, yep. oh, so much melancholy. Um, <sighs> I am so excited for some of the albums we're going to do this winter. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a good time. <laughs> it's going to be good. But before that, we have uh, this whole episode to do. Oh, yes. <laughs> and... I, as much as I'm excited for the next episode, this episode just makes me so happy because we were talking about the Gaslight Anthem um, and the album The 59 Sound. And I'm going to play a little bit of that for you right here. So that song is uh, the second song on the album. It's called The 59 Sound. Uh, That song has probably the most medium for me, and I think it's beautiful, but we're also not going to talk about it right now. So what did you think about this album as a whole, Riley? Um, So I I mean, like I said uh, earlier, is that I didn't really have much exposure to these guys before before you mentioned them. because I know that right as you know when we were kind of formulating the idea for this podcast, this is one of the albums that came up for you right away, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. as far as one that you wanted to cover. Um, and I remembered you showing me this song that or that song in particular um, a few years ago, and I I never really got any more into them after that, just because I kind of forgot about them, but. So, mm-hmm. long story short, this was kind of my first pass on this album and this band, um, and I was I was impressed right away. I mean, nice. it's just a cool. It's it's like Springsteen-y, It's old school. It's got an edge to it, and but it's so simple. And it's, I mean, I don't want to call it simple in a bad way. It's I think it's simple in a in a very good, effective way. But um, for it being so simple, it it's so emotive. I mean, there's so much going on. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you can tell with every song, you know, they're, they're really going for a certain feel for this whole album. Um, and I think that that general feeling that they're aiming for is, is 
their background and where they come from and yeah, the lives yeah. that they have led so far, which is uh, it's a nice biopic into a uh, lifestyle that I'm not familiar with. Yeah, and and that lifestyle, I guess, um, for those unfamiliar with the band, I'm just going to go a little Wikipedia on you here. So <clears throat> these guys, the Gaslight Anthem, it's a rock band out of New Brunswick, New Jersey. Uh, Isn't and... that where, that's where Thursday's from. Is it? Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. New Brunswick, New Jersey. They've well, got I'll a, have to... Yeah, they've got a, uh, a song called Dying in New Brunswick. Oh, you're right. I didn't yeah. even I didn't even tie those dots together, and that might be where Springsteen's from, but I'm not going to say that for sure. Yeah. So uh, this album was written by New Jersey kids, and and uh, the vocalist Brian Fallon, and he's also the guitarist. Um, he he mentions in songs about you know where our father's factories marked their cards or marked our cards, and and he sings about and talks about this lifestyle where his parents generation was in that springsteen era that that rising america industrial america where men worked at factories and they stamped their cards and and their kids were expected to do the same you know yeah. like mm-hmm. this was a hard labor it was hard work but it was proud american work it was blue collar work um and i mean their fathers were were the ones that created that American sound, that idea of the greasers, of the yeah. outsiders. Yeah, and this is totally this is totally an outsider's soundtrack. Yeah, totally. Only it's it's just a bit modernized because it came out in what, two thousand eight? Two thousand ten? Uh two thousand eight. Yeah, so it's it's like a modern take on the outsiders on that old New Jersey American sound, that that mm-hmm. blue collar sound. Only it's a bit more optimistic. Uh, it's a bit less patriotic because of yeah. the times we live in. Uh, so it's a really neat snapshot as to what um, what that American dream looks like thirty years later, forty years later. Yeah. Uh, and this album does a great job of that, and it does that by referring back to Elvis by referring back to the old cars, the classic cars, the old lifestyles. Uh, so it's a really and, good merge of, of modern and retro. Yeah. It, and the, it's, it doesn't, not only does it refer to it lyrically, but I, I mean, I feel like the musical style is totally in that mm-hmm. realm as well. I mean, this does not sound like this, this album could have come out in 2008 or it could have come out in 1978, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It sound is, is, pretty timeless i don't know about 1959 so i don't know where they got that title from but <laughs> uh the 59 sound i mean that's just the year of the car that they were driving uh, that's true i think uh and i mean i'm not much of a car guy but this album does not sound like a 1959 i'm guessing like a some sort of camaro or something uh or like an old white lincoln <laughs> oh <laughs> now I see what you're talking about. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Well, let's let's talk about that song. I could die 
this is one of my favorites on the on the album because it's just like I mean it starts it starts with the engine starting I mean that's just that's great there's some good songs that that uh, that uh, that do that <laughs> yeah um, and then uh, also on top of the engine revving sound there's somebody yelling at the uh, yelling at the person revving calling him a, like a long hair like a hippie yeah, yeah. you know yeah that's Which awesome is, yeah, just, such a, like it, it's such a time piece you know? yeah yeah just yelling at the guy for revving his engine and the guy's yeah. just driving and, and he's just out for a cruise with his girl and they are just dreaming of bigger things yeah and that's that's the greatest part about this song is that that's it it's like i mean it's just like i said it's it's simple but and not a bad way not in a bad way mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. like it's just so effective at exactly what it's trying to do because it's trying to invoke a simpler time mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and i think it does that wholeheartedly here um and this song is just so upbeat and i don't know it's just i think it's a perfect look at kind of the album as a whole as far as as far as what you're getting yourself into mm-hmm. yeah and uh so i played a little bit of the intro uh, just right at the beginning, but I'm gonna play the chorus for you guys because I think that's that's important for you to hear. You and your hot top sneakers and your set of tattoos and your old that you drove through the roof of the sky up above different stars while you just kept coming aboard. You and your hot top sneakers and your set of tattoos and your old that you drove through the roof of the sky up above different stars while you just kept coming aboard. Straight in my arms. So in this chorus, it, he's talking about uh, this girl that he's with, and she says he says that she's wearing you know your high top sneakers and your sailor tattoos, and she's driving this old fifty five with the roof down, and they're driving into the 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 night sky essentially. Yeah. Uh, and that to me is is a hint at why this album is so important to me. And you were kind of asking me that too over the last week. You're like, why yeah. why this album? Like. I, I like it, don't get me wrong, but why are you so like into this? Mm-hmm. And, and I think this song gives a glimpse at that where, uh, for those of you who know me, a girl wearing high-top Converse <laughs> sneakers <laughs> with believe... tattoos and driving an old like classic car, that is my yes. That's, and I mean, either that or like, or like some pixie girl that plays EDM music. Yeah, I'm kind of uh, over not that. Not EDM though, man. music. Oh god, I hate when I do that. ED music. ED, ED music. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of past that, man. I I kind of want Rosie the Riveter more than I want a man of pixie yeah. girl. Well, yeah, because Rosie the Riveter would break fucking pixie girl in half. Exactly. She's strong. <laughs> she's proud. She feels no need to apologize or be weird for the sake of being weird. Mm-hmm. Like, no, she's just all American goodness and wholesomeness, mm-hmm. and I am fully on board for that. So that that's one of the reasons why I like this album. So because, uh, yeah. if you are that person, tweet us. <laughs> Definitely tweet us, uh, including uh, pictures of your of your tattoos because those are awesome. <laughs> Not nothing weird. I don't want to get banned. So. No, yeah, no, that would be that would be strange. Um, yeah. But no, it's totally like, yeah, it, that I mean that part of of your attraction to this album definitely comes out. Um, mm-hmm, I mean, this mm-hmm. is totally a, like, a, it's a realistic, it's a realistic song to those who wrote it, but to us, for us listening to it, it's a totally fantastical fantasy, well, fantastical fantasy. Yeah, yeah, fantastical, where it's like... Fantastical, like, um, 
you know, it's a it's an unrealistic uh-huh. song. Yeah, yeah, especially like the whole premise of it, where uh, he he's just like having a normal day, and he he lights his cigarette on a parking meter, or I guess he lights the match. Yeah, on a parking meter, and lights his cigarette, and he's talking to the corner boys, and the corner boys tip off this girl that he's interested in meeting her, so she like drives up to meet him, and they go for this cruise ride, and it's like okay, that's. This is yeah. clearly a, a fantasy that you're dreaming while you're working in your father's factory. So, yeah, like, exactly. Uh, <laughs> but he sings it with conviction, and I think it's great. I guess one one question I have before we move on to a different okay. song. Sure. Um, what is a corner boy? Uh, so there's corner shops, right? Yeah. Well, is a corner shop like a convenience store? Yeah, it's like a convenience store or a bodega. It's somewhere where you yeah. can just go in and they have all the amenities, milk, eggs, bread, but they also have just a lot of just random chips, junk food, uh-huh. some canned goods, some uh-huh. toilet paper. The, yeah. The term bodega was new to me as well when you were talking about that when you were in Brooklyn. Oh, yeah. And it was new to me too when I moved there. So, huh. uh, yeah, it's just a neat little corner neighborhood. It's usually family run. So there's like three people who work there and they're all related. Uh, and it's usually open. I mean, it depends on the neighborhood, but they usually have pretty good hours because they're kind of aimed at the after work crowd because during yeah. the day, not that many people are around the neighborhood, you know? So yeah. it kind of aims at people, you know, their hours are flexible because they rely on people being off work to come to their store. Makes so, sense. Yeah. So corner boys are the people who hang around the corner shops and they're either and smoke cigarettes and listen to gossip. It's just kind of it's a culture thing. They hang around, they smoke. Uh, some people say they cause problems, and I'm sure they do. But uh, it 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 all depends on the neighborhood, the state. You know, I'm not going to pretend to know uh, New Jersey. So yeah, yeah, God no. But definitely even... gossip. Definitely okay. gossip. Yeah. <laughs> all right, that's kind of what I was picturing. I just wanted to I wanted to make sure. So. This song, um, speaking of how the song sings about a girl, there are a lot of songs about girls on this album. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the songs mention girls by name. And that's, that's always that's kind of... of a, that's fairly unique. Yeah, it is. It is. And you'll see there's one song, I guess we can talk about it now, not as good a time as any, yeah. where he sings, uh, Here's Looking at You, Kid. It's the second to last song. And it's essentially... Um, a song it's almost, to all it's almost the... ballad status yeah oh it's definitely ballad status yeah mm-hmm. because each verse he's singing to a different girl um about you know how he's doing and how they should have been with him and i'll play a little bit of that for you right here and you can tell jane if she writes that i'm drunk off all these stars and all these crazy hollywood nights and that's total deceit but she should have married me And tell her I spent every night of my youth on the floor Bleeding out from all these wounds And I would have gotten her right out of that town she despised You tell that to Janie if she writes So, uh, in that particular verse, he's telling a little bit of a tall tale. He's saying, you know, if you tell Jane, if she writes that I'm drunk off all these stars and all these crazy Hollywood nights. And (laughs) even though it's a lie, it's still like what he wants to be remembered for, what he wants to make those girls think about him now that they no longer can get him. So Mm -hmm. 
do you think this song is like petty or what What do you think about the song? Is it petty? Is it empowering? Is it funny? Is it just a true ballad? What does this do for you? Mm, I, I don't know. It, I would, I would totally say it's petty if it didn't sound like it does. Okay. Where like if, it, if it was, if it was a Rocky song, like the rest of the songs on this album, uh, mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. would say it's fairly petty, but, um, I it's it sounds melancholy. Yeah, especially when like after um that verse to Jane he says tell her I spent every night of my youth on the floor bleeding out from all these wounds. Yeah. Like hmm. <laughs> it it takes it takes a very serious turn even if he's like kind of making fun of whether or not he's, you know, rock star famous or mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh where what his position in life is, but it just like the overall feel of the song is like is sorry i'm listening to the lyrics as i'm talking um <laughs> the overall feel of the song is is melancholy for sure and it almost i mean the tone of his voice sounds like he's not i mean if if i were in his position if i mm-hmm, mm-hmm. had any interest in like in looking at previous relationships i had and be like oh hey look at me now like but you're jealous mm-hmm. which I don't think I don't picture. I mean, with his other lyrical content, <laughs> where he's talking about all the times he was blown off and how bad that felt. Like, yeah, I don't he's think not... he's that kind of person. No, no, and, no. But if if I were in his his position and wanted to wanted to communicate that somehow, I would not make the song sound sad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I would. It would be like the loudest song on the <laughs> album for sure. <laughs> Yeah, so, that's a good point. Uh, it just it feels like he's saying this stuff, but it sounds like I don't know. It sounds like he is not the fact that he has to make up what he's doing, mm-hmm. you know, how mm-hmm. he's doing to to try and make these girls jealous or whatever his goal is. Mm-hmm. Is I mean that makes him seem like a fairly vacant, empty person. <laughs> yeah you but know? because he's doing it knowingly it feels pretty it feels raw. self-deprecating yeah. yeah it feels very self-deprecating especially that line i i'm gonna play it for you now where he talks about how he was stood up for dinner all these times lives in brooklyn with cool and goes crazy over that new york scene on 7th avenue but i used to wait at the diner a million nights without her she won't cancel again tonight And the waiter served my coffee With a consolation sigh You and my hands, yes, why? So like he said, the waiter serves his coffee With a um, consolation sigh You tell that, you remind Anna if she asks why It's like, that's, man have you ever been ditched on a date or like been stood up for a date no not dude it sucks (laughs) it really sucks i've never been i've never been just straight up stood up i've been ditched okay okay um but yeah it you do you do feel vacant and empty afterwards yeah especially like it's so cruel in this modern era too where it's like i think the last time i was ditched it's the sort of thing where like it wasn't hmm dates are kind of weird for me i'm I'm a bit non-traditional about all that but um 
nowadays again it's uh, so... tweet us at echopod if you're, <laughs> if you're interested <laughs> let me get a few more drinks and man <laughs> tell some more stories all right uh, dude i'm on my fourth glass of chamomile <laughs> nothing can stop me now man you're gonna be so sleepy after this oh <laughs> <laughs> but uh in the modern era, when you get stood up, it's not even that you're just sitting there and sitting there waiting. But, like, first of all, everybody's always 10 minutes late these days, yeah. for one. So, like, if you show up on time, you're not sure if you're being ditched yet until, like, 20 minutes after. 20 to 30, I would say. 20 to 30. Because, like, yeah. if it's 15, maybe they're just running late because that's a normal thing, apparently. Yeah. Uh, so, like, maybe they're running late. So, like, 30 minutes, you're like, hmm. And then, like, 45 minutes to an hour into it, you get this text saying, oh, sorry, something came up. Rain check, question mark? Texting has, texting has removed any, any uh, responsibility from yeah, yeah. people for sh- uh, showing up for things, you know? Oh, it's just cruel. It's just cruel. Uh, so, and people live in this constant state of, now that we're connected to all of our friends all the time... Mm-hmm, People live mm-hmm. in this constant state of wondering if they're missing out on something. So we're always like checking in to make sure that we're at the best party or we're like, yeah. Um, Aziz Ansari has a great riff on riff, <laughs> a great uh, tirade against uh, texting and stuff just for this reason. Exactly. <laughs> and he talks about getting stood up and, and what it's like to, uh, what the worst way to stand somebody up is and all that. It's it's hilarious. But oh, I'll have to anyway, it's it, it, Yeah, oh, yeah, it's super interesting, um, his take on modern-day dating. And, uh, no, it's, yeah, it, it, like, it, it affects you in ways you wouldn't think it would. Yeah, it just brings out all these insecurities about, like, yeah, not only, like, am I not good enough, but also, like, what, like... Yeah. What if she's just not even doing anything interesting or fun? What if what yeah. if like anything is better than a date with me? Like anything, it's not even yeah. it's not that something came up. She's just like, eh, nah. Like, nah. Swipe left. In which case, direct communication is more effective. But But you can't like call anymore. It's it's not like Mm-mm. the option of just calling and being like, hey, what's up? What's going on? Like that's seen as aggressive now. And that's gone. Yeah, that's calling yeah. is for emergencies only. And and that's the thing. Like, because I know that, I'm not going to call her and be like, hey, just, you know, making sure everything's okay. Because even though, like, best of intentions, whatever, it I don't care about your intentions. That will come across as creepy and, and like, yeah. kind of, like, overbearing. So, yeah, yeah that's out. And, and there's just all these rules about that stuff where you can barely even send a text like, even that might be a little bit rude, where it's like, hey, where are you? Like, even that's a little bit aggressive. Yeah. So it's a weird time to be around, man. It's a yeah. weird time for the dating scene. Yeah. And I think, so I think that uh, bringing it bringing it right back in here. Ah, um, yes, yes. Thank you. I think that this, this song really encapsulates that feeling of, like, because you, you have this, I don't know. I, I, I've kind of been trying to develop this part of myself, um, hmm. where you have this. Sure, like when you're when you're left behind and or ditched or you know even if it's not a date, like whenever this happens to you in a social situation, mm-hmm, you've mm-hmm. got that feeling of insecurity and 
questioning and that kind of stuff. And and I think that's kind of where the melancholy comes from in this song. Ah, is that yeah. is that feeling of of being, you know, being disregarded. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. lyrically, it, he's he's kind of trying to stay strong about it, you know. And that's and that's what I I was talking about. I am trying to develop like this this sense of like of total self-reliance as far as as far as being able to control my mood you know so Hmm. like not letting something like this something like some social misstep by somebody else being able to affect you know my my overall feeling and putting me in a place of insecurity because i hate i hate it when other people are responsible for my insecurities you know (laughs) yeah and i think that's what and lyrically i think that's what he's he's saying like oh well you know i've been left behind all these times and these people are no longer with me but he's trying to like stay positive about where he's at (laughs) yeah yeah and i'd love to talk more about your exercise at some point because that has so many um similarities to like zen buddhism and those meditation techniques uh but man, there's a lot there. Let's let's come back to that subject sometime yeah. because yeah, that's yeah. that's great. Uh, but this isn't the first song on the album that talks about um, exes and, and stuff that happened in the past. We actually see that right at the beginning with great expectations. enjoy this song because i think it totally sets the mood for this album Mm kind of like what it's going to talk about i mean he talks about like how they burned up the diner where he used to find this person right it's like yeah oh that's such good imagery yeah um and he talks about how he he used to find her well he's singing to a girl about a different girl pretty much because the first word of this song is mary like every verse is preceded with he's singing the song to Mary and he's telling oh. Mary about these things and, and then about this dreams that he's been having about his first wife and stuff. So I don't know who Mary is to him, but uh, is is Mary mentioned in here's looking at you kid. Ooh, good question. <laughs> yeah. No, nothing there for Mary. Nothing uh, yeah. I don't know. But the song also mentions how there's poetry or, uh, I've never had a good time. I sat by my bedside with papers and poetry about Estella, which is yet another girl. So, hmm. yeah, lots. I get a of... feeling. I see. I see a pattern in these songs. <laughs> yeah, he may be a bit of a womanizer, uh, but it may be very mutual on part of all these girls. Yeah, because I mean, he he is living that that totally romanticized outsider's lifestyle you mm-hmm, know? Mm-hmm. um the like pony he's probably board. he's probably really good with a butterfly knife <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
you know it. He can skip rocks like a champion. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So Absolutely. good at that. Yeah, yeah all the way across the river to the other side of town. <laughs> he can open anything with a spring-loaded door just by hitting the side of it. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, man. <laughs> so this Absolutely. song definitely feeds into that. I mean, he talks about uh, songs from 1962. He talks about just all this stuff. He, he frames the fact that, like, this is not a standard punk album or an alternative rock album. This is an ode to Springsteen and his mm-hmm. era and his time. And uh, it's a great way to stage the album. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that, that that's part of why I like it so much is that it it is placed so well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And even just like sound wise where like it just starts off kind of simple and then it comes into this full sound where you hear every instrument at once. And for once, I didn't take the time to get to know the bass guitarist name and the drummer's name and all that. Like it doesn't like most of this album is just the storytelling. Yeah. And and while the instrumentals are interesting, it's not mm-hmm. nearly as interesting as the stories that they tell. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree with that. Hmm. So one of the most compelling stories that they do tell for me comes in the next track, the 59 sound. Uh, I'm going yeah. to play, <sighs> I'll just start at right at the beginning. piece it together from this but this is a song written to a friend who has passed away in a car crash uh and essentially talking to him about what you know asking him what was that like like what did you hear before you went did you hear marley's chains like on a christmas story where it's like Mm -hmm. these are all of the things you know your sins and your things from the past coming up and they're rattling the walls and you can't get away from it and you need to face it or did you hear a gospel choir singing your favorite song like what is it like to pass from this world to the next and man this is this song is so touching to me yeah no it's yeah that's what i remember about you bringing this song up a few years ago for the first time as it you're like, dude, you have to listen to this because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's it's because it, it did affect you so much that way, you know. But yeah. and you can totally, I mean, even if you don't pay attention to it lyrically, it's got it's got that extra touch to it, you know. You it's got that extra kick behind it that you can tell that it's. I mean, this is a super emotive song. Yeah, especially, and I'll play this for you now, but the bridge where he just says, young boys, young girls ain't supposed to die on a Saturday night. Young boys, young girls, young boys, young girls, young boys ain't supposed to die.
that to me, man, it's it's like every time you hear about somebody your age dying, it's a tragedy, you know, because mm-hmm. because they're so young, because they have so much life to give. And and I love that he summed it up with such a such a petty, such a stupid thing to say, where young boys and girls aren't supposed to die on a Saturday night. Yeah. Like what? Like, I know. Well, that it's but death. That... It is so much bigger than that. But like, no, no, no. Leave leave kids alone on Saturdays. Yeah, exactly. I, and that I I love that about that lyric. It just mm-hmm. it epitomizes exactly exactly the feeling that everyone has about uh, when when somebody that young dies. You know. Yeah, um, yeah. Where about it's the like... absurdity of it, and, and it's but like the fact that he picked Saturday night. It's like that really just hammers it home. Yeah, and and like you said, the absurdity of it, where it's like really death. You couldn't wait. Yeah. Two more you, days. Yeah, you, you couldn't, couldn't do wait. Monday or Tuesday. Yeah. Like, at least they'd be thankful for it then. Because, yeah. <laughs> like, I, I mean, much like Saturday night is the prime of the week. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. most of these, I mean, these kids that this happens to, it's like totally the, it's totally the prime of their life. Yeah, you know? yeah. And it's but it's exactly, also the time that they're drinking and driving. And yeah, and making, making, making uninformed bad life decisions. Yeah. Uh so i feel like we we did okay with our high school class <laughs> uh yeah yeah, yeah. We, we only had what three yeah i mean more than more than we'd hope for but yeah yeah, yeah we hope for uh, zero we did pretty okay we, we lost where the losses really started piling up was in like the first five years after high school yeah that yeah but in high school itself yeah we were fine and like college yeah but it was no good but like this song did find me and i think like not to get too like solemn or deep on this podcast even though i guess that's kind of the point that's part of it that's part of it yeah yeah but like i found this song after or during or somewhere around the time that one of my good good friends weird friends crazy friends not so friends uh but he killed himself like and and so like in my mind and that was when i lived with you and yeah, like you you that. had to see that's me. when you showed that's when you showed me this song now, yeah now i remember yeah. it yeah because like in my mind like and i still i get chills every single time no exaggeration every single time that that line comes on you know did you hear the 59 sound coming through the grandmama's radio did you hear the rattling chains on the hospital wall? Like every time, because yeah. I just, I just wish so badly that I could have understood what was in his head at that moment. Like, what was he thinking? What was he hearing? Like yeah. for him, because of the way he went, like you'd have to think it was Marley's chains. You'd have to think it was the weight of the world upon him, but maybe just because of the sick thing about suicide, where it's, it's seen as such a, an escape, Maybe he was hearing his favorite song. Maybe yeah. it was the happiest decision he'd made in years because finally he had closure. Finally, he had something that made sense. And, you know, maybe maybe it was a happy thing. I mean, you can you can at least hope for the best. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, but I mean, the fact that the fact that he uh, he is in uh, the singer of Gaslight Anthem. <laughs> Brian Fallon, yes. Brian Fallon, yeah. The fact that Brian Fallon can put can put those feelings so well, can mm-hmm. articulate those feelings so well, you feel like he's he's definitely had 
maybe not just this experience, but multiple experiences with something like this. Yeah. In yeah. order for him to be able to communicate feelings like this so well and so accessibly. Yeah. I mean, this is a man who's lost things. And mm-hmm. I think that's you're part right. of the appeal of this whole album is like you, you, right off the bat, you feel connected to him because mm-hmm. he's, mm-hmm. like you said, it's blue collar. It's, it's working yeah. man's music. And and he's mourning the past just as much as he's mourning his friends and the loss of his friends. Mm-hmm. He's mourning the passing of the American dream. Mm-hmm. And as cheesy as that sounds, it's true. And because that's the part of the country that kept it alive. Like yeah. the idea of this this maybe America will get better. And mm-hmm. it, I mean, it has incrementally, but it's just not it's not what anyone hoped for. So no, it's we've got we've all got buyer's remorse. Mm-hmm, the the mm-hmm. shiny new life that we wanted is is not so shiny. Buyer's remorse. That's a really good way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I want to get to something a little bit more upbeat. Yeah, let's uh, let's let's do Casanova, baby. Yep. I love that song. <laughs> I had that pulled up. <laughs> oh great, God! You can tell like right away at the beginning. Let's just. I'm not even gonna say anything about it. Just let the let the drums do the talking. So that's the upbeat sound you want. Uh, that that's something. That's that good old uh, classic. I don't even know what to call that, but it, it's a good sound. It's a positive like, vibe. I can to, I can see these guys like circa nineteen sixty playing this in like a dive bar somewhere <laughs> and people like swing dancing and just having a good time. And they have the cage around it, so people are throwing the beer bottles at them. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Oh yeah, yeah. Somebody's getting stabbed in the back. Yeah, yeah. It's a great like blues you know, style song yeah. for sure. Oh yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> Uh, I do feel like this song was very much built around the guitar riff, though, that kind of uh, occurs through, like, the chorus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like they kind of built it around a riff, so it feels a little, not forced, but, um, I don't know, it feels different to me. This song feels much it more does. musically driven than a lot yeah. of other songs. But I think that's I think that's one of its one of its strengths, is that it's unique in that way. Yeah, yeah. Where if every song was like this, where the guitar took a forefront in the sound and in the leading of the pace of the song, it, it wouldn't be as interesting. Yeah. Uh, though it does still tell a story. Uh, this this song he's talking about, Virginia, that's the girl in this song. <laughs> Not the state. Not the state. Well, you never know, but yeah, it is right around there. But no, it's it's Virginia, the girl. Um, and they're talking about <sighs> we you know, need to what start a list. Can... We need to start a list of names. Yeah, Mary, Virginia, Baba Jean. Baba, Baba Jean. <laughs> Baba Jean, that was a different time for him. Uh, Baba Jean's not my love. Uh, Baba Jean. Baba Jean was from prison. Thinks that I'm the one, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but this is, this um, song, it, it's again, it's kind of like uh, 
old white Lincoln where he's, he's telling this girl, if I could just put down this hammer, we could run all night and dance upon the architecture, like in the movies, you know? And like, he's talking about his factory work and how he's doing manual labor and dreaming of something better. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's the motif through all of these songs, I feel like. Mm-hmm. But it, mm-hmm. it it doesn't get it doesn't get trite by the end. It it stays mm-hmm. it stays energized throughout the the entire album, which yeah. I think is the sign of a talented artist. Very much so. Even though he's talking, it, I like the fact that he can, um, in some ways, kind of romanticize this town, but at the same time talk about getting out of this town constantly. Where like the last line of every chorus or of every chorus is, "Yeah, forget this dead man's town." I'll take you home. And he talks about that in um, Here's Looking at You Kid, too, where he's like, tell her that I could have gotten her out of this town if only she had stuck with me. So it's like there's this idea of leaving, of of leaving and finding what home really is because it's not here. This is just just for now. So I feel like that's a really common dichotomy um, with a lot of people is kind of, or at least towards their hometown, it's like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they all want to (laughs) leave, but... I mean, except for Billings. Billings is, I mean, you just kind of want to leave. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but the other option is stay because everything is, you know everything here. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's familiar. It's home, you know. Yeah. Yeah, hate on it as much as you want, but it's it's home. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I don't know. That's I mean, that's another just super relatable lyric that he's got. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of want to take a second here to talk about maybe one of the lowlights of the album. I, I'm not going to give this much time because I don't really, uh, it's not really worth it. But uh, Film Noir is the name of the mm-hmm. song. I'll play a bit of it for you here. And I lit a fire. So uh, kind of how uh, that was the chorus you just heard, but that hints upon the same thing we were just talking about, about leaving home. And it says, I lit a fire that wouldn't go out until it consumed the walls and roof of this house. Till all, all I remember was burning away and all I remember you burned it away. Uh, I, I don't know why I just read all those lyrics to you, but essentially <laughs> like in this town that we have been in that I want to get out of, I have things that I'm not proud of. I have fires that have been started relationally. I have ghosts from the past that are haunting me. I have people that I do not want to see anymore. But here I am in this town, surrounded yeah. by all these these fires that are just burning around me that I created, but I'm stuck living with them. Yeah. And, yeah, that, I mean, that's, like I said, there's not a whole lot. I mean, I, I share the, your feeling about this song. I don't have too much to say about it, but... Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I mean that's a fairly, I feel like that's a fairly common feeling for people to have about their hometown as well. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean it's it's unavoidable <laughs> to have all this extra stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that you just can't get away from this you know? weird baggage. Yeah, yeah. And, and I feel like that's all that this song really offers. Mm-hmm, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, hey, there's stuff in your hometown that you're not proud of, but you're yep. stuck there. That sucks. <laughs> Though I will say the bridge of this song is fantastic. Here you go. Every sugar and spice and everything nice you got. Monroe hips, your poison lips. 
He's singing to this girl now. We don't get her name in this song. Oh. Uh, but, he, but he's singing Mystery to a girl. girl. <laughs> yeah, right? And your sugar and spice and everything nice. You got Monroe hips, your poison lips and knives. Sugar and spice, everything nice. You've got open wounds and a young boy's pride. I I just really like the wordplay there. Um, yeah. I, I like the Monroe hips. That's yeah. A, that's a good line. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Like the imagery of like, I feel like I can picture this girl and, and mm-hmm. how, again, she is this all-American sweetheart, but she has open wounds and a young boy's pride, which is not accusatory. Like, maybe no. she just rejected him, you know, and, yeah. and that hurt his pride. But, like, he's not making her out to be this super toxic person. Well, I guess she does have poison lips and knives. Never yeah. mind. Well, She's I, toxic. Yeah, poison is toxic. Yeah. Last yeah. I checked. Never mind. He does not like this girl. But I like the way that he describes her. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah me too so that's that's my big takeaway from that song yeah and that's pretty much everything worth mentioning there yeah uh, i think so so before uh before we move on to the next song i i want to bring up um bruce springsteen and his relationship to this band so bruce Springsteen, whoa spring spring sting spring uh <laughs> boy uh he plays in new jersey um pretty much once a year at fundraisers like Bruce Springsteen he's he's still a man of the people and if someone is fundraising for little Timmy's cancer uh he might actually show up and play it's happened before so he is um (laughs) very good at giving back to New Jersey and and remembering where he came from and he did that with the Gaslight Anthem and he was playing a festival and uh I believe how the story goes. I mean, who knows? It's not firsthand, but apparently Brian was uh, Brian Fallon was backstage at Bruce Springsteen playing uh, because he's you know a huge Bruce Springsteen fan, and he had played you know sometime before that, so he was still kind of around there. So he was backstage watching Springsteen play, and Springsteen after one song, he's like, "Hey, is Brian around here? Is Brian here?" And Brian comes out, and and you see. Bruce Springsteen say to him, do you know the words to no surrender? And Brian gets this huge smile on his face and he nods and off they go playing no surrender. And he lets Brian take the entire second verse of no surrender. And I know you're not a huge Springsteen fan, but that verse is, is legendary. That song is legendary. It's beautiful. It's about kids using this garage bands to to break the holds of their life and to dream for a while it's like such a classic springsteen song and he lets brian fallon take the entire second verse and he sings it with such emotion and he adds like the gaslight anthem sound to it he changes the notes he changes the cadence to match his sound and his style
anyway, uh, Bruce Springsteen's band, uh, but Brian Fallon sings with it, and it's incredible, and it's so cool. And then <laughs> Brian like returned the favor a couple years later by calling Bruce Springsteen out to sing Fifty Nine Sound with him, but like it was a little bit more planned and Springsteen actually had a guitar and was playing along, but it was so awkward because like you could tell that Springsteen didn't really know the words and he was kind of <laughs> singing along, but it just wasn't the same. So it's funny because like, it's like they, they were expecting to have it be this huge moment. Instead it was just Bruce Springsteen being like, I'm not really sure what to do here. Yeah. Uh, so I'll include the links for both of those in the show notes. So you can find those at sequelweaponproductions.com slash echo. Uh, so anyway, those videos are great. Yeah. Uh, next song, what do we have? Yeah, uh, let's talk about even cowgirls get the blues. Awesome. What about them? Um, yeah, let's take a let's just take a listen to right right away at the beginning. I, it's so, such a unique song. Yeah. Um, and I think you get you get uh, some characteristics of that uh, right at the beginning. Let's take a listen. <laughs> So that guitar is totally different than anything mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. we've heard so far on this it's like, album. Yeah, it's almost like a sliding steel guitar almost. Yeah. Yeah. And it's got, it's just got, this has a very pronounced slower rhythm to it than any other song. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, which I think it's what kind of makes it stand out for me anyway. Um, it's just like, it's very decidedly different. And yeah. even his even his vocal style, I mean, he kind of like he he does a little more falsetto kind of stuff going on. Um, he talks about Tom Petty, which is another <laughs> another person I feel like he's trying to emulate. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. And I don't know. It's just it, it's very cool. I like the bridges uh, or the um, the uh, verses rather. Mm-hmm. Um, the, it, I don't know. It's just like he does some very cool stuff with his voice. Um, what, what do you think about it? Yeah, I think it's great. Um, we do find out what happens to Mary. Ah, uh, uh, yes, of course, Mary. But but it uh, he doesn't actually say. I mean, he's saying, like, I haven't seen these people in a while. wonder what happened to them. They're probably off living this safe, conservative life. And meanwhile, I'm still this grifter. I'm yeah. still I'm still playing pinball and and surfing dangerous waves and like he, he's just like kind of rejecting this American dream that he's romanticized for the full album. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it I feel like it's it's uh, a conscious effort for, of for, from him to uh, put this near the end of the album. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it is the culmination. It's also just kind of an answer to. Um, a lot of the questions that he brings up about what if, and here he is saying, especially following, um, here's looking at you kid, or I guess it's mm-hmm. right before it. either way. Like it's, it's kind of giving a finality to that, to like, what about them? What about mm-hmm. them? They're off living their thing. 
here I am being a lone cowboy doing my thing. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think it's definitely good for that. It's again a love song directed at a girl, kind of. Yeah. Uh but they they kind of all are. What can you do? Yeah. Well, most a lot of really great music is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so while you're you mentioned that Tom Petty is is um one of his muses uh, yeah along with you know all the women <laughs> yeah and the all sex, those women all those women there's also tom petty and uh he actually mentions a tom petty song in a different song high and lonesome where he says here uh, in the bridge he says there were southern accents on the radio as i drove home Southern Accents is a Tom Petty song. Mm -hmm. And then he goes on to say, at night I wake up with the sheets soaking wet. It's a pretty good song, baby, you know the rest. That's a reference to the Bruce Springsteen song, I'm on Fire, where he says, at night Mm -hmm. I wake up with the sheets soaking wet. So Uh High and Lonesome is just packed full of references about um, either New Jersey or just classic American rock artists. And it's kind of an homage to them. Yeah, well, in the you, I mean, right away at the beginning of the song, it, it kind of sounds like, it sounds like a Tom Petty song. It does. It really does. And then the chorus, which is, I guess I should actually play part of the song for you, but the chorus here, uh, it talks about this girl, Maria. And Maria came from Nashville with a suitcase in her hand. I always kind of sort of wished I'd been like Elvis. And if I had this, all these classic cars and outlaw cowboy bands, I always kind of sort of wished I was someone else. I so relate to this song because he says, um, uh, I always kind of sort of wished I looked like Elvis. And then I always kind of sort of wished I was someone else. And again, when you ask me, why does this album mean something to you? Yeah. Because really, I wish that I had this level of cool. I, I yeah. kind of wish that I had been grown up in an environment where I could be a little bit tougher, where I could actually like pull off a, a jean jacket and and have a tattoo that I regret and like I, I kind of wish that I had a little more edge to me a- and when I hear songs like this where this guy with this edge this rock star lifestyle these tattoos cigarettes and girls and stuff even he's saying I kind of wish that I was somebody else I kind of wish I was Elvis you know <laughs> like, yeah like, yeah just elevated another <laughs> yeah just take it another notch where not only are you this this hunk of a lover all american guy but you also you are the king of rock and roll yeah you're the king of rock and roll and you don't have to go do manual labor for 10 hours a day yeah so it's like even this guy who i dream of being more like he's dreaming of being more like somebody completely different and isn't that the american dream (laughs) spending your life wishing that you were your neighbor Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) mm-hmm keeping up with the joneses right yeah (laughs) And I should say, oh, yeah, and uh, Maria came from Nashville with a suitcase in her hand. That is a reference to a Counting Crows song. Counting like, Crows now. Yeah. He's he's putting Counting Crows on the same level as Tom Petty and Bruce Springsteen. It's uh, it's just his musical influences, so unfortunately, okay. yeah. But they actually, like, in the Counting Crows song, it says, and Maria came from Nashville with a suitcase in her hand. Like, huh. it's, it's, it's not a reference. It's an actual pull of the lyrics repurposed for his chorus. Interesting. So, 
yeah, this song, like I said, it's an homage to the, the singers of his past and him dreaming about joining their ranks. Hmm. And he's telling that through, of course, the lens of a girl, Maria. So, of course, yeah. Because why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't he? Uh, Does that mean who... that he was messing around with Counting Crows' girl? <laughs> Is this the same Maria? <laughs> Oh, that's a good oh, question. No. Oh, oh, no. Who is this Maria? Is she just going around breaking hearts everywhere? Yeah. Man. God, that's a that's a question for Twitter. <laughs> that is. Uh, I'm going to tag both Gaslight Anthem and Counting Crows in a tweet and say, who had Maria first? <laughs> yes. I love it. I love it. Uh, so... This is something else you can tweet us too, and, and Riley, I want you to answer this question, but also listeners, sure. I want you to tweet us this question. Um, what musician would you dream to have their life? Oh boy, I'm gonna try and stay away from the obvious. <laughs> Trent Reznor. <laughs> but I, I also, yeah, uh-huh. I mean, uh-huh. <sighs> wait. So, so when you ask, when you ask this question. Do you are you assuming that I am still who I am, but I'm like leading somebody else's life, or do I completely become this person? Uh, I think it would be like if you were to apply this musician's, if you were to make their life into a filter and put that over your life. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Okay. Um, shit. <laughs> oh, uh, hmm. Probably have to go. So if we're gonna put me in the musical world, which <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I think I have to go with Damon Albarn. Oh, of the Gorillas. Mm-hmm. Because I can just stay behind shit all the time, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and just have have three uh, D characters do my bidding and create create uh, music with very full instrumental sound uh, on my own. Nice, and no one yeah. will really recognize you on the street because no. you're not just putting your exactly, face on. yeah, exactly. But everyone loves you. <laughs> huh. I like that. Mm-hmm. I, I this might be a bit of a tangent, but I wonder if the gorillas have ever won an award and they staged somehow like Murdoch going up to accept the award. They did. That was really? one of the tweets today. Yeah. What? Oh, um, I need to. They, I need to watch our Twitter. Okay, go they, on. They won like best song for something, and they uh, he submitted a video of all four of the monkeys accepting the accepting the <laughs> award. It's it's amazing. Yes, I need to watch that. That is. It's so amazing great. that he talks about uh, Murdoch is accepting the Murdoch's the main monkey, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, well, he's like the grumpy one. Two D is or yeah, two D is two uh, D. The, okay. the actual protagonist, but Murdoch is often, yeah, in this. Who's the one in the in the Clint Eastwood music video? Uh, boy, I'd have to watch. I thought Murdoch anyway. was driving in two Ds in the passenger seat, but okay. Anyway, I one of them, one of them is accepting the award, and he's talking about how he's gonna put it up on his mantle with right next to his upside down rubber cross. Oh, that's definitely Murdoch. Yep. <laughs> it's really fucking funny. That's awesome. Oh my god. And <laughs> some of them are just like smoking in the background. It's, all, it's great. You'll yeah, I re, I retweeted it. You'll have to check it out. Yeah, definitely. Oh, that's too funny. So, okay, Damon Albarn. I like your uh-huh. answer. And uh so and are you are you Brian Fallon? Yeah, or? yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, I mean, just, just swimming in girls with tattoos and, and living this just awesome lifestyle and just being able to wear a leather jacket year round and nobody yeah. judges you for it. Yeah. Um, and he's just really talented and tells a good story and, and he's relatable. And yeah, there's a lot of things about him that, that I, uh, attributes I wish that I had myself. So yeah, probably this guy. Yeah. I mean, yep. this album, no lie, this is top five of my albums, oh, yeah. towards the top of my top five. So, yeah, definitely. Brian Fallon is, is close to home. Cool. I, I like that fit. I, I could picture you doing that. <laughs> I'd have to be a different person, though. I really yeah. would, because it just doesn't work with who there, I am. There's, not, there's not a sharp edge on you. No. And... I mean, there's not even, like, a dull edge. <laughs> you just don't have any edges. <laughs> So I put on like a I put on a leather vest and I just kind of look like a like a football, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's no, oh. it's not fun. Oh boy, that's funny. <laughs> uh, so I guess this is a a good a time as any to bring up the um, last song that we'll talk about today, Miles Davis and the Cool, where Brian Fallon again goes and compares himself to other famous people that he admires or takes something away from starting with miles davis um here in the first verse about brian fallon being like miles davis at all uh yeah i i mean i think he's been swayed by the sound of the cool i i don't think that he is the cool i think he's been swept up in the movement that okay true all right fair enough so you you liked this song right yeah i do um i like it because it's another kind of fairly unique song Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I like the, I really like the verses where it's basically just the drums, um, and then the the heavy reverb on his voice, which pretty much every song has that. Uh, it's kind of part of his sound, but it's really mm-hmm. pronounced here. Um, but I, I just really like the overall feel of it. You've got almost ambient guitar in the back because it doesn't really do much. Um, yeah, no, no. But it's a, it's a great placeholder. Um, but it's it's a fairly minimal song, but it's still got that uh, kind of upbeat sort of rocky sound that we've gotten used to by this point. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just, it does a lot of things right, especially the chorus. I'm going to play this for you here. Don't wait too long to come home. I have ears and I you pass on. Don't wait too long to come home. I will leave the front So he's saying, um, this person left the town, got out of the town, and he's saying, like, we're leaving the lights on for you. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, if you come yeah. back around, uh, we're ready he for knows. you. He knows. He knows that people come back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's kind of, um, it's welcoming and it's inviting, but it's also sad because he's saying, like, yeah, you're going to go out there, but you know, you're just going to come right on back. Mm hmm. Uh, 
so a few other musical references in the song when he says in the second verse or third depending on how you want to put it uh like poor mr pitiful uh he is referring to the song mr pitiful by otis redding who is another soul jazz guy mm-hmm. uh and then when he says you the wiki second... the shit out of this what you wiki the shit out of this uh yeah i knew some of it um <laughs> but yes yes i did uh and then also in the second verse when he says uh put on your red dress and your diamond soled shoes do you know that reference diamonds on the soles of your shoes you know it uh elvis ah it's paul simon off graceland so oh okay yeah graceland elvis you got it you got it (laughs) (laughs) so there's a a paul simon song called diamonds on the soles of her shoes where he's talking about how she's a rich girl uh how she's so much better than him um so this is a little bit of a reference to that where he's saying, okay, fancy pants, like you go out and you take that world, but you'll be back. Yeah. And do you think this is a sad song or? No, I don't, I don't get a particularly sad feel from it. Hmm. Um, I get like a, it's more just a realistic kind of thing. It's like, he's saying, don't wait too long to come home. Yeah. Cause we miss you. So, so basically like don't um you know i've i've got some recent experience with this oh Uh, don't don't try to well just don't go somewhere and try to make it work for longer than you should you know if Hmm. if feel if coming home feels right um then just do it (laughs) which i i coming back to where i am now felt right like Yep. A, a year before I did it. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> wow. It didn't take me nearly that long. It, it took yeah. me like a couple months. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's um, weird. We're both back home, home I state. I know. And it, I couldn't be happier about it. But Yeah, it's great. The so front light I, was on. You know? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, which, which is why I don't think this is a sad song. I think it's just a fact of life that... That if somewhere is home, and it just so happens that that home for him and whoever he's talking to is their hometown, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I I think that it, it's a natural thing to feel like you can come home. Yeah, yeah, and, and, especially... and yeah, there's there's a part of you that wants to feel like you're giving something up and that you're you're conceding, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I think that's. I mean, if it feels right, it's right, you know? Yeah, and I think part of what makes it not a sad song, too, is uh, this kind of final bridge before it goes into an outro. I don't know, man. The taxonomy of these songs is weird, but uh, right here. So singing, like, why don't you sing to me on this long drive home and let the sound of your voice sway sweet and low or slow as we go down, down, down from our youth to the ground, where it's like he is driving with this person. He's driving home with them. They're singing their songs of youth and they're thinking about how they're going to die someday. But in this moment, they're just driving the car home. And 
it's it's kind of this beautiful moment where you can picture it. You can picture someone driving you home from this place that you're done with. You've moved on from you want to go home and this person's there for you and you're just listening to familiar songs and just just driving. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I I totally yeah. I completely um identify with that because that's exactly what I did when I drove back here. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. You put on like all the songs that kind of make you think of home, and it just yeah. makes you look forward to it so much. Absolutely. I basically put uh, um, all my friends by LCD Sound System on repeat. Yes, 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 yes. Good. We should do a full choice. episode just on that song. <laughs> I mean, we did a half-hour song on Gorillas Do Your Thing, so yeah, we could. Probably... I know. I was impressed that you guys did that. That was. <laughs> We really talked. Uh, yeah, that was good. That was something. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, um, speaking but, of future episodes, uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. remember we've got uh, we've got our seasonal episode, uh, yet as yet unnamed, um, on the docket. Yeah. Uh, for next time around, um, and I know we've got some special little surprises popping in and out. We won't say anything about those, but just mm. stay tuned. Mm-hmm. Um, Always got something like random four week breaks. Yeah, surprise. We're we're, ma- we're making up for that. We're making up for last time here. <laughs> we are, we are. Um, yeah, I, you know, just to kind of wrap this album up, I was totally immersed in it the first time I listened through it, and that usually it takes me a couple times through an album to kind of like get into it, and this time it just it it's such a it's such a timepiece. It kind of yeah, it transports yeah. you right away. Yeah. Totally. Um, which I, it is really cool how he does that so easily. Um, so yeah, I I was so happy to have come to this, um, and I know that it's monumental in your life. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and yeah, like you said, it's a, it's a great timepiece. It's a great thing. It's vivid imagery. It's good storytelling, uh, and we see that in some of the later albums too. But I feel like this is really where the Gaslight Anthem hit their stride. Yeah, for and sure. And if they can pull that off again for a full album, not just a song or two, I would be so excited. Uh, hasn't happened yet, but you never know. So, yeah, like Riley said, um, fall songs or, sorry, season songs, whatever, make sure to tweet them at us at Echopod. Uh, we're also on Facebook. You can email us at, uh, what is it, secretpodcasts.gmail.com. If you have, like, a longer story to tell, definitely email us. Uh because we'd love to hear it and if these songs mean anything to you and also what 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 do you name an episode about fall without being super cheesy we need to know yeah. that too so please yeah. help otherwise, us out with that otherwise it's going to be fall into new music mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. to piss everybody off so we need something else <sighs> yeah please don't. we don't want to we don't want to do that we don't yeah. want to do that but we will yeah oh we'll do it and if yeah. you see that pop up in your in your podcast feed just know that um you could have made it better. Yeah, just think of think of the horror mm-hmm. when you're sitting. Like, you, t- picture this: you're on break, you're at mm-hmm. work, you're on mm-hmm. break. Yep. Uh, you're at a semi new job, so you're still kind of learning everybody's names. You're getting to know everybody. Yeah. You've got your phone sitting out on the table. You're like, oh, cool. Um, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Your phone buzzes and lights up, <laughs> and it's a new it's a new Into the Echo episode, uh-huh. and it pops up, and all it says is it has our little logo. And it says fall into new music. <laughs> and all your new coworkers you're trying to impress look and see that. Uh-huh. Just think of you're gonna you're gonna feel like Brian Fallon at that restaurant. Yeah, you're gonna That's feel like you're, a you're real gonna feel empty. Chump. Yeah. yeah. You're gonna feel terrible. So please yep. give us something else. All it takes is one tweet. 
please yeah. save us from this. <sighs> well, thank you, sir, so much for listening to this album. No, th- thank you for uh, storytelling. I feel like you and Brian Fallon kind of carried this episode. Yeah, and I swear I'm not in love with him. I'm just in love with his lifestyle. Yeah, no, I, I get you. Yeah, uh, you I get, get it. it. You get it. All right. Uh, well, have a good night, buddy. See ya. See ya.